When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/people today. This is a podcast from the Smart Material Collective, made by nerds, funded by the listeners. Is hair a material? Are biscuits a material? Are crystals a material? Is plastic a material? Is porridge a material? Can gases be a material? Are eggs a material? Is water a material? What do you call everything that isn't a material? <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to laugh at you guys. And yet you continue to do so. <laughs> Hello and welcome back to Real Talk, the podcast about all things materials. I'm your host, material scientist Anna Pajajski. In this episode, I talk to Zofia Wojmerska Noga about paper. Zofia is a paper artist and paper conservator at the Royal Institution, and I met her down in the basement of the Royal Institution to visit their paper archive. I started by asking her what her job as a conservator of paper involves. I was appointed in here 16 months ago to take care of the paper collection um, and uh, to assess its condition. That was the main task. So just going through the boxes of um, of meters and meters of um, paper. Uh, what's exciting about it is that the collection contains a lot of very important um, science artifacts uh, bound with Mark, Michael Faraday and Humphrey Davy and other 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 big names of um, British science. So amazing! And so the material that we're talking about today is paper. What's your background with working with paper? Um, I'm uh, well. As I said, the, my the description of my profession, the main profession, is paper conservator. So um, that's um, um, how I was trained. So the um, the paper background and the history of paper and um, what how the paper works, uh, especially. Um, uh, is the the main part and the main body of of the knowledge I have to I have to have to take care of the uh, of any collection, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and also I work on paper as an artist, which kind of nicely overlaps because it allows me more freely to experiment with various sorts of paper because before. I use something new on any collection, I have to test it. <laughs> so I can do that freely, um, painting and doing my mixed media on, on various papers. Um, yeah. <laughs> awesome. So maybe we should define at the top of the episode, what do we mean by paper? Uh, yeah, that's quite important question because um, uh, before... Um, 
thinking about paper, what I think about, and, and we are talking about it a little bit, is the um, that paper was created to register the the information, whether it will be art, it might be drawing, it can be it can be uh, bookkeeping, for example, uh, quite important. And of course, before there were plenty of materials used. Um, for the same reason, um, because the um, information can be recorded on um, on the stone, it can be recorded on papyrus, which was the kind of very material similar to paper, but not the same. Um, uh, so, so we had we had a lot of examples of of of, uh, of another methods of registering permanently or semi-permanently. Uh, however, paper is, um, is special because of the methods of creation. So how we... Um, it's quite versatile, so it can be used in many ways. Um, it's quite easy to transport because imagine how to transport, for example, between two places, the stone. Uh, <laughs> yeah, much happier. <laughs> yeah, so not, not very practical. So it's also quite practical. Uh, but the main thing is, what, when I look at uh, from my, especially conservation point of view, uh, it's it's produced in a way, so the fibers are, are macerated, they are mixed um, in the uh, water solution with the sizing. So all the properties really de depend on the fibers used, whether they are short or long, whether the mm, it's a wooden pulp, which was introduced later in time. Um, and, um, uh, and we can... Um, manipulate with those uh, uh, qualities of paper because of the methods of production. Of course, they changed and evolved during uh, during the times. Um, and uh, I don't know if I have to say something about history. It's pretty amazing that it's very old material um, uh, that first was introduced in China, <laughs> which is, is pretty amazing. And um, I think the the the, the uh, the, I quite like this story how it also was introduced in in Europe because that was quite late, <laughs> surprisingly. Um, so it's a quite quite amazing material. We don't really imagine now living without paper. We have you know toilet paper. We have kitchen towels. We have a lot of, um, of course, we have books. Um, um, there are people they are producing paper clothes, paper bags that might be actually quite durable because it depends what you what you can coat your paper uh, to make it even water resistant. So it's it's a material that is everywhere. So it's yeah, yeah, and super <laughs> important to our history. So I guess you said paper was originally developed in China, and then how did it spread throughout the rest of the world? Um, yeah, I I quite like that bit because I, I quite like the 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 feeling that 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 something is quite universal <laughs> can mm. be absorbed by every culture. So, funnily enough, um, uh, from uh, of course from China it spread first to Korea and and, and Japan, so very nearby. I think um, in Europe um, uh, for a very long time papyrus and then parchment were the main um, uh, supports for uh, for registering the information, and of course parchment uh, to some extent is still this day because some of the very important documents are still recorded on parchment because of its uh, durability uh, but uh, um, uh, uh, 
it was in Europe. It was introduced by um, uh, Arabs who actually, you know, the the first uh, um, papers were from Samarkand and from so they they kind of were absorbed by uh, Muslim culture first, um, and it was quite important part uh, for the you know scholarship for the scholars for the mm. uh, science uh, because maybe not everybody knows but I, I find it quite exciting that um, a lot of um, uh, uh, Muslim scientists in the very early time they for example transcribed a lot of um, uh, mm, uh, ancient Greek manuscripts that, that right. we, otherwise we wouldn't have no mm. about them uh, because they are very often lost and we only know them from that transcription so it's quite you know it's paper really played a very important role um uh, and sort of in a way because of the production it was still faster and cheaper than um any other material used before like for example let's say um wooden boards and the wax on the top they are quite versatile but still not very permanent yeah so paper was quite um, quite easy to store and the, the thing was that you know because in Europe of course we had we had our uh, we had parchment everybody was quite suspicious first <laughs> because paper was a new material so that kind of novelty okay. like probably telephones now or something and we would <laughs> yeah. say oh my god those are deprived <laughs> <laughs> cultures that using silly paper we don't know anything about it we won't touch it but finally um, uh, because of its practicality I guess mm-hmm. um, it was introduced in Europe and um, it's uh, yeah and we enjoy it till this day <laughs> <laughs> brilliant so what does your job as a conservator of paper involve then um yeah. Uh, well, uh, it's uh, of course the the first thing that comes to mind is is repair. Uh, but actually, if I have to talk about steps, is I I um, let's say I have a letter in front of me. I have to I have to um, uh, visually assess it. So very often, um, um, all the questions that are asked, of course, are about what kind of paper it might be, what kind of media I have uh, in front of me. And um, in first in the daylight, then I can use um, other like UV light or other mm-hmm. tools. I assess what I think is wrong or it's not wrong <laughs> with it. Okay. Um, uh, uh, of course, in terms of repairs, we were talking about it earlier. I use a lot of paper uh, papers or very uh, conservation grade papers, but still nonetheless papers yeah. to do those repairs. To uh, so so um, so for me, it's quite important to know about the qualities of papers, uh, like whether it shrinks, whether um, it can be easily stained or not, what surface I have, because uh, paper is, as I said before, fiber in water. With sizing, sometimes with coating, we can have various um, uh, infills in paper, like brighteners that were introduced, for example, and very often mm, 1980s papers. That, for example, fantastic contemporary arts got a lot of brighteners uh, in the paper, and uh, so uh, really any information. I was, of course, the first um, 
trips I've made when I started to study were to the paper mills because there are still some traditional paper mills um, even here in the in the UK. There is a fantastic Griffin mill, and you can see how a handmade paper mm. is uh, created, and that's quite important actually to understand with what kind of material. Uh, we are working. Yeah. yeah, so I actually tried to make my own paper once. Well, I tried to recycle paper. <laughs> so I got loads of cardboard out of my recycling bin <laughs> and I chucked it all in my like blender in the kitchen with water. Did blender survive? It, all up. it did actually, yeah. yeah. I mean, my soup tasted a bit weird afterwards. <laughs> and then um, put it in like a sort of low bucket with water and then I got... Um, a sort of printmaking mesh yeah. um, frame and sort of lifted it through and then yeah. let it to dry. Yeah. Um, and the experiment was actually about recycling paper and why you can't recycle pizza boxes because the oil in it will yeah. sort of disrupt the uh, the bonding of the paper fibres yeah. together. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it was amazing going through the process of making yeah. paper, really understanding how it works. Yeah, and there's a lot of um, the thing I I wanted to see um, maybe one day I will. Uh, there is a lot of old, really really traditional paper mills, for example, in Japan or China, mm. um, where the, it really looks like probably slightly um, uh, medieval <laughs> type of you know where where where, where uh, really the labor is quite hard. But even the paper sheets they are. Uh, dried on the sunny wall so they're just poof. nice <laughs> so you know it's kind of um yeah I, I i'd quite like to see it but um it's it's an amazing process <laughs> amazing so we've got a few artifacts here can we take a look at a few of them and maybe describe what we're looking mm-hmm. at so these are from the royal institution archives uh yes we have a, a because the material that is um uh, closed in the archive. H- however, I have to point out it is accessible <laughs> uh, by appointment, so um, the researchers can have a look at it. Uh, uh, there are various uh, objects that are quite obvious. So there are laboratory notebooks, mm-hmm. a famous scientists. We have in front of us the Michael Faraday's notebook, um, as mentioned before, very neat and uh, very neat. well um, dated and really really well organized yeah it looks nothing like my lab notebook (laughs) (laughs) and uh, uh, we have a lot of letters so there is a very important part of it is is, uh, research correspondence but also private correspondence correspondence from the point of view of paper is interesting because what I've noticed it when I was expecting the um 19th century paper in bad condition mm. the letters actually are usually written on handmade nice quality paper right. so the correspondence usually is in a very good state nice. <laughs> in here another unusual object which is really like um, paper tape that you can tangle yourself <laughs> in <laughs> if you really would like to or I, if I would let you <laughs> if I want. Uh, it's a um, telegraph message so what we see in here it's actually paper tape with um, uh, Morse code uh, printed alongside the longest piece of that message is 10 meters so it's very long mm. uh, the message was sent in 1858 from Royal Institution by Queen Victoria to America to the to the American president it took 16 hours to send that message hence the 
paper tape is very long. <laughs> <laughs> and I must say that that's the object type of objects, my eyes. And I have um, about 17 years of experience in the paper conservation profession. I, I have never seen something like that really? before because it's it's just it's, it's unusual. It's a long piece of a very narrow paper. Yeah. Uh, of course, um, uh, quite fragile and, and um, uh, but not nonetheless amazing. Wow, so that's the first telegraph ever sent <laughs> For, across the uh, Atlantic. Tra- yes, from, from the UK to America. Yeah. Wow. Uh, and uh, as I look at it from our point of view like short text messages and stuff it just makes <laughs> yeah. me giggle i know <laughs> it's, it's true long strip of paper i know now we can whatsapp anyone we want instantly uh, yeah, right yeah <laughs> it was very kind long kind of type of greetings because we know what it says it was the cipher at some point by one of the researchers but but it's, it's just <laughs> very elaborate long <laughs> sms <laughs> <laughs> what, what's the message of it well it, they were just greetings and they were just greetings very, very, you know, it was uh, Queen Victoria style greetings. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> when you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one of a kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. And um, uh, what else do we have? And of course we had another artifact that was was moldy uh, uh, because... Uh, as I mentioned, the paper conservation side of my work um, requires to track the dangers mm. because, of, co- of course, obvious dangers for paper are fire and water. Right. Um, and for that, we have, of course, um, um, quite secure archival vault. But uh, another, um, it's it's actually quite bound with water because with the high hu- humidity and everything it's 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 mold uh, because mm. um uh, unfortunately it disintegrates the cellulose chain that this um it just eats up the sizing in the paper okay <laughs> so uh we were talking about it yeah that fungi actually are quite happy 
yeah. <laughs> when when they have a when the humidity is high enough because paper is organic material um, sizing very often it's also organic material mm. um so it's the source of um nutrition for for them yeah <laughs> and uh, us with uh, mold spores uh um, they just are everywhere, even in our clean archival vault. Yeah. So when when they are triggered, then 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 we are in trouble. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So this notebook would have been sort of maybe something was spilt next to it or something, and it got a bit damp. Yeah, and probably in uh, already uh, quite long time ago, uh, because uh, when um, it was found and assessed in here and then protected, so we we are quite panicky about moldy artifacts because they might infect entire mm. collection. So it was stored for a long while, um, very securely and separately from mm. the rest of our papers. And now it's now it's safe because it was cleaned, of course, uh, because of the health and safety issues with the aggressive form of. Mold. The yeah. conservator and the other, the, even the researcher, if if somebody would like to research it during that time, they they have to be protected mm. um, because they are very heavy allergens and they just not very nice to yeah. work with. And um, however, I think I pointed out before the fungi are very beautiful under the microscope. So, <laughs> Amazing! So it's, it's worth of googling how they look like. <laughs> uh, so, how do you go about? getting rid of the mold on something like this um, the first uh, of all we remove the surface um, grow in that case uh, it was the black um, powdery mm. type of grow that looked like soot but of course underneath of that grow we could see some more stains and also paper was very uh, cotton like disintegrated just on the corners mm. after that uh, surface accumulation <laughs> is uh, removed uh, we did freeze it so we, the archives and libraries use the uh, deep freezer so very uh, with very low temperature and uh, as also mentioned before we actually every new acquisition is um, since we have a freezer it's first frozen mm. to make sure we don't implement any new um infection (laughs) into our system Uh, so this one was also uh, was kept in the freezer for several days then the frost and um uh and it's slowly the corners are being repaired with Mm. beautiful beautiful tengoji tissue which is very fine spider type of tissue i'm very excited about (laughs) (laughs) it is very beautiful you said it was extremely lightweight it's very lightweight it's five grams per meter uh which means that if we even if I would like to repair the place where I have some writing and because it's Michael Faraday's writing, of course, I don't want to abstract it. Mm. Um, it's absolutely see-through. Uh, uh, also, it's fine enough to um, repair the damaged area and to keep it together, uh, but it doesn't pull the paper in various directions. So as you can see, it's, it keeps quite... Uh, flat because if I would apply very strong paper then you know it might be uh, not good for the rest of the page because yeah. I re- re- that repair is done only locally so that's uh, that's that's the other thing mm. um, the, what's interesting about those repairing tissues I'm I'm quite um, um, how to put that I'm quite traditional in my approach to paper conservation because um, we we're talking about it that in 70s, 80s, mm. or even 90s, um, people were very excited about synthetics, 
synthetic resins and um, and and um, so-called archival repairing tapes <laughs> ready yeah. to use <laughs> that were very often and 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 very widely used. Um, and and as I said, you know, it's, it's kind of it's good that they do exist because for um, for example, for my own library or for my daughter's library, that's that's a that's a good thing to quickly apply the, the repair. But they are not entirely reversible, so they always slightly damage the object if you um, introduce it to the object. So for me, the first methods I will look into, they are traditional methods, uh, sympathetic with material I'm working with, mm. slightly weaker than the material I'm working with, because the, the last thing we want is that the repair will be preserved and the rest <laughs> of the objects yeah. will fall down into pieces. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's, that's, and also um, the materials that were used, for example, for by book binders or um, by um, printers and uh, by other people that would work with the art or books for centuries. Uh, so we can actually see on the actual objects how they worked of course they were not always conservation repairs they might be how i adapted the knowledge how they used the sizing uh for example to flatten the the print uh, but um, um you know that that I make sure that I know what I introduce into into our object that won't change the nature of the object, nature mm. of the object, and also will uh, will stay the same, won't discolor, won't abstract. Um, so things, a lot of things to think about. Yeah. <laughs> so we've just had a little walk through the archives next door. Um, kind of, listeners, it's kind of as you would imagine it, like long rows of boxes of paper, incredibly well documented and, you know, um, it's all in alphabetical order and stuff. Um, extremely organised. All of the objects, well, most of the paper objects that I could see were in cardboard boxes. Why would you choose cardboard as a material to keep paper in? Um, well, that's also paper. <laughs> in a way, it's just um, uh, much thicker, but the, the um, it's similar. Uh, also, um, uh, well, it's it's quite versatile. It's it's durable. Uh, we are using archival quality boxes, so that's that's they are acid free or sometimes even buffered. So they are um, they in any way they won't harm our mm -hmm. uh, collection in any way. But also, what uh, I know it's it's kind of funny because sometimes I feel like I'm just wrapping some everything in tissues, and just <laughs> putting it in the boxes, and just sounds a little bit like a crazy. <laughs> <laughs> rabbit kind of I don't know it's 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 really it's really um even for me it's sometimes puzzling <laughs> but actually why we do that is because we we can call it differently we can call it encapsulation so our objects are closed within that stable environment so mm. despite the fact of course our um, archive vault um has got air conditioning and and it's 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 controlled but sometimes uh, because we exist in the within the old building, sometimes um, uh, there are some uh, differences between temperature in the morning and in the evening, mm -hmm. or if if it's very hot outside. Uh, so, boxing our collection, we protect it from those um, rapid changes because okay. paper, uh, as well as leather, because uh, we have, of course, we have uh, uh, leather bindings, we have parchment bindings, mm. paper covers, we have textile uh, cloth covers. So, in fact, we uh, the archive is a paper archive, but 
it contains a lot of various organic materials that respond differently to those changes. Um, uh, in general, it just means uh, the paper, for example, if the humidity and temperature changes rapidly, it just expands and shrinks, expands and shrinks. So right. you can imagine it's not very good for the media no. um, uh, on the paper uh, or if we have like Faraday notebooks, for example, where he neatly, as we can see in here, uh, pasted down some information um, uh, it's it's a little bit like in form of a scrapbook. So we have uh, mm. adhesive and paper and layers of adhesive and paper. Of course, at some point when it shrinks and expands, shrinks and expands without any control, we'll lose that information. Right. Um, so the, the boxes and wrapping mm. <laughs> in acid-free paper, uh, it's a very a good preservation measure. Uh, for archive and library. Why do you want to control the acidity of the environment? Uh, the acidity, yeah, that's probably the, the, the thing everybody at some point heard about it and, and, and probably every family's got the, the, maybe not collection, but some examples of older documents that come from 19th century or the books that are almost falling into pieces uh, mm. in your hands. And uh, mostly those objects are the... Um, I can say the victims <laughs> of industrialization because of course industrialization was an amazing thing because it democratized the world of books and, and the accessibility but what uh, what happened was because the, the process of the um, production of paper rapidly changed uh, um, in the 19th century so we were able to produce the rolls of, you know, continuous rolls of paper. Mm. But first, people were unaware that every addition uh, um, of, for example, sulfates for some reason to the sizing or to make the, the paper better for printing, uh, th that introduces the acidity. Cellulose doesn't like acidic because it's what it does. It just cuts the, hydrolyzes the train, oh, okay. but... In practice, it just cuts the cellulose chain in pieces. And when and you have shorter yeah. molecules, it yeah. makes the paper weaker. Yeah, it makes the paper weaker. And then uh, that's why we have that powdery effect or we have that crispy. We call they are brittle, but I call it they are crispy because almost it's like if you touch it, they, 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 they create that sharp bits mm. that are falling down. Um, so so acidity is the mostly the problem of uh, the period uh, during and after industrialization and of course um, the 20th century um, slowly brought the uh, the knowledge about it and we have various paper standards and of course we have certain books like uh, quick books yeah. <laughs> that we read under the pillow that are produced on maybe slightly lower quality of paper but um, most of the papers we can buy now they are either buffered or acid free uh, but of course, as as the conservators, uh, why the box, acid-free box, is important because um, some of that collection and and a lot of collections all over the world uh, were stored in boxes before. Because for the archive, that's the best method of um, you know cataloging and sort of distributing the collection mm. instead of just putting it. You know, the, imagine hundreds of letters on one <laughs> shelf just at random. stuck like, at random. <laughs> yeah, that, that's a bit scary. It can happen, but um, even for me. <laughs> um, so the boxes were in use for quite a long time. The thing is, because it was a very cheap quality um, cardboard, then um, 
the problem is the paper um, box and also the paper inside the box, they are porous materials, so they mm. absorb. So if you have even minimal um, amount of humidity, they happily absorb the the contents of the box, for example, in that case. Um, so uh, so the bad box and bad paper is a big no-no as well mm. because you can have a healthy object on the very good paper but it can absorb the acidity. Of course, the, the other problem is uh, air pollution because yeah. paper objects, if they are not crossed in the um, archive vault, uh, they absorb the, um, the sulfates just from the, from the air and wow. that causes the discoloration and the degradation of, of paper. So Again, the box would be, if we keep our collection at home, for example, the box would be the barrier because yeah. that would absorb the pollution. Right. And then next would be the, the collection, but still it's not so rapid. So, you, you, you know, you sort of sure. protect it. Interesting. Mm. Brilliant. So if people want to keep in touch with what you're up to, have you got any presence online where people can look you up? Yes. Uh, if you just Google my very long name... <laughs> Even longer than mine. <laughs> <laughs> they will pop up. They, they will, they, they, it will be a paper conservation website uh, popping up and it will be uh, art websites. They are kept separated for for obvious reasons because some people are looking for the artists and some <laughs> usually are not looking for the artists when they are looking for a paper conservator. But as I mentioned, it doesn't really... Um, it's it's rather a good thing to work with one material in various uh, areas, um, from my experience. Um, and there will be various articles. Um, I've I've managed to write some articles <laughs> uh, about paper conservation. So um, yeah, feel free just dig them out. Brilliant. Well, thank you so much for coming on Real Talk and showing me around. It's been brilliant. Thank you. That was really nice to meet you. <laughs> So that was the wonderful Zofia. Thanks so much to her for coming on the pod and for showing me around the Royal Institution archives. That's it for this time. Don't forget you can see photos of all of the items we've discussed on this episode on the Real Talk website or over on our Twitter feed. We're at Real Talk and realtalk.com. Thanks for listening. We'll be back with one more episode before going on summer break. But until then, take care and see you next time on Real Talk. Small details are big surfaces, tight corners are odd shapes, flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rustolium. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's stamps.com code program.